0: Welcome to the Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary, my name is Peter Klein, thank you all very much for downloading and subscribing today remember rate review and subscribe wherever possible if you want to get in touch with the show i am on twitter and instagram at primetime twitch.tv which i'm going to be a bit more active on um that is twitch.tv slash you can email the show couchpotato diary at yahoo.com the music you were listening to provided by waste of talent check them out on instagram at waste of talent with x's where the a's would be Busy show today. A lot of stuff going on in the sports world, and this was one of those days where you just hit record, and look, if I miss something, I miss something. I'm hilarious on Twitter, so I'll make a joke about it later. I'll, but like I said, a lot to get into, and we will start with the National Hockey League. They just have, They are in the midst of a big 10-day period where you had the expansion draft um, with all the people getting exposed, and then you have the actual expansion draft, and then you have the actual draft, and now you're leading up to free agency. So there was a lot going in, and I thought, you know, it's going to be fun Friday. Let's have some drinks. Let's play some video games. Let's just stick around a little bit. And then the Montreal Canadiens went off and did the thing that they did, and that was, like, it is one thing to just plan a sports, ha-ha, funny, ooh, this is going to be good. And then real-life shit comes in, and it's, well, shit. And so that was a tricky one to deal with when you're just, oh, well, we're gonna play video games. I still now on a sober second thought, it's just so frustrating what the Montreal Canadians do with the selection of Logan Mayu. He, of course, uh, charged with distributing um, a sexual photograph that was taken unconsensually. Apparently, the, the sexual act was consensual. The photograph and further distribu- uh, distribution of the photograph, super not consensual. So, that is a very big problem. And I, I I already hear the people saying, well, second chances. And it's, okay, yes, I I myself am a believer in people getting second chances. Logan Mayu, isn't even done with his first chance yet. Like th- this is w- what, and I'm not saying like, well, he needs to lose something in this. Although like, I mean, th- there needs to be some form of repercussions from it. What are the, the repercussions? Like you get your name dragged through the mud in Twitter for a few days and now you're on an NHL team and your first round pick. What lessons have we been able to learn from this? And again, not that falling in the fourth round is going to be a lesson or not getting drafted at all is going to be an appropriate lesson. Professionally, that's as as bad as you can go. Personally, there's a whole lot of lessons that he needs to learn before I want him anywhere near not only just like my organization, but just like anyone I know. Um, Frustrating is is the only word. And I can't imagine being a, a fan who has had something similar happen to them And now seeing what this organization thinks uh, about people who have done those sorts of things. And it's just you have like just PR wise and it feels so gross to even talk about PR because there's a human element to this that is it's life altering really. But from just a PR standpoint, you get all this goodwill coming off of this Stanley Cup run. And now this is how you want to represent your organization. That this is, this is someone at this stage who you are comfortable with being a, a face of your organization. This is someone who you want to say right before you pick him, you say, we are proud to select. I just don't get it. Like, I, I can't imagine running an organization that way. Like, PR-wise, this is a disaster. From a human standpoint, this is a fucking disaster. And I, I said, like, oh, Montreal released a statement on Friday. I don't even want to hear it, because there's nothing they can say that makes this okay. And it's all the, the same PR garbage that we are going to provide him with the tools needed to learn. And okay, if you do that, great. But we've heard that for fucking ever, and no one does anything. The team that's selected right at you, right after you is a perfect example of that. The Chicago Black uh, Blackhawks tried to sweep under the, the rug some horrifying allegations that have come out around their team as well. And eventually, when... If, I guess, and when there are repercussions for this, it's going to be, well, this is a time to learn. At some point, we gotta start fucking learning about this stuff. Like, I, I just... I don't get it. I don't get how the entire world has... Moved at pro at, at definitely too slow of a pace on these sorts of things, but at least they've moved. And the NHL has just seemed extremely stuck in the mud over and over and over and over and over again on these issues. And it's becoming more and more frustrating. To have to deal with this and to have to have these conversations and then again like I talked about before then you have oh well this guy didn't back check 200 feet so can't win with that guy don't want him in my locker room like this is fine in your locker room but a guy who doesn't want to get his head plastered through the glass like that's that's a, a bridge too far get the fuck out of here so this is just another example about how this precious hockey culture It's about fucking time we started to actually hold it to the level that it pretends to hold itself to. Because I'm just, I'm done with this whole thing. No easy transitions to talk into the actual hockey stuff. Uh, but a lot of things happened over the weekend and again just wanted to, to go through a few of them now that we've had a weekend to, to to digest everything the Vancouver Canucks make a trade with the Arizona Coyotes every problem contract that the Canucks had basically goes to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a future problem contract in Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland I do not want to have it lost in this Connor Garland I think is a good hockey player I don't think he's a great hockey player but I, I think he is a good hockey player and someone who can actually fit in on on this Vancouver Canucks team like that this is someone who I think there is actual value in him for the Canucks and a guy like all he has done at every level is just scored goals right so there there is at least something there for him and with Oliver Ekman Larson this is the same thing the Canucks have done for the last couple of off seasons I guess last offseason they, they take a bit of a step back because they lose Markstrom and Tanev but Are the Canucks a better hockey team today than they were 72 hours ago? On ice, yes they are. Yeah, this is like all all of those guys who exited town uh, provided, I would suggest, minimal value to the Vancouver Canucks, if not less than minimal value to the, the Vancouver Canucks. And you're bringing in two guys who can provide that value. The issue is when you start to expand that word value, into the big thing in the NHL, which is the salary cap. Now I get it. We just saw Andrew Ladd's contract traded. I was making the case for Carey Price for Seattle by saying if it sucks, every contract is tradable. But the Canucks just went through so many years in salary cap jail because of the contracts that they signed and they were a year away from getting out from underneath them and they now put themselves in line to have one of the worst contracts in the league in the next three years. I don't understand it. I I just, I do not get it. And, well, I shouldn't say that. I do understand it and I do get it because you have a GM who you you have told, hey, you damn well better make the playoffs this year or else you're fired. So I'm not necessarily worried about not having the ninth overall pick, uh, which was insane that that was thrown into this. And I'm not necessarily worried that three years down the road, salary cap implications are going to be difficult because I need to win this year and I need to make this team better this year or else it doesn't matter to me what this team's salary cap situation looks like in a couple of seasons. And this has been the M.O. in Vancouver basically since 2011. And look where it's got them. Right? Like, this was a franchise that everyone made fun of the President's Trophies, but this was a damn good hockey team for a while and now there's just, there's not a lot there. And I shouldn't even say that, because there is a bit there. Like, you have Pedersen, you have Besser, you have Horvat, you have Hughes, Colson um, looks like he's going to be a thing. So, like, there are actual pieces there in Vancouver that you can get excited about. The problem is, what you have surrounded them with is just literal zero. And it continu- it will continue to be that way when you bring in contracts like Oliver ekman Larson For Arizona, a nice... Nice bit of work. Like you just kind of accept, hey, this year probably ain't going to be our year, so let's take on a couple of contracts. We like they, they just go away at the end of the season, if because they are expiring. Maybe you can trick someone into taking an Antoine Roussel or a Louis Erickson or whatever. Like, hey, need some depth for the for the playoffs here. Um, take this guy for a seventh round pick. Like maybe you can turn them into almost anything. Um and then all of that money comes off the books, and hey, look at that—you have a first-round pick for it. So I think this is a good move from a, an Arizona perspective. Another team that I was questioning over the weekend—the Philadelphia Flyers—they trade or they acquire Rasmus Ristolainen for uh, Robert Hag, a first and a second. I don't think I would have traded for Ristolainen and given up either a second or a first or Hag. Like th- th- I'm just—I am so far out on on Ristolainen. He feels like a defenseman from a go- uh, a bygone era I'm I am so far out on this player so to have Philadelphia make this move I just don't get it and then to, to double down like it looks to me anyway it looks like you are trading Go bear to free up cap space to be able to make this move. Ristolainen making $5.4 million, right around the same thing that Bear is making. And again, Arizona comes in, takes that contract off of their hands for, I believe it's a second and a seventh. So again, smart bit of work by the Arizona Coyotes. And... For, for Philadelphia to replace that with a slower and I would rather take my chances that Bear figures it out than and turns into an entirely different hockey player. So I just, I did not like that for Philadelphia. I like the Atkinson for Voracek trade. You get cheaper and I think you might even get better. I like Atkinson quite a bit. Voracek, there was a time where I liked him a lot and maybe he finds that again. I would be skeptical that he finds it in Columbus. I would also be skeptical that he plays a game for Columbus, but that's neither here nor there. Um... But I, I, I like this addition. I like a little bit of new blood in there for the Philadelphia Flyers. But you look at the Flyers roster and it still kind of feels like they are a move or two away. Like the the, the addition of Ristolainen in that blue line, I just, I don't like. So I, I would much rather that not happen. But then at, at forward, like it just, it feels like it feels like there's another top six player, like there's a spot there for another top six guy to to fit in, to, to make Philadelphia the team that we all kind of thought they would be. Uh, they have some decisions to make in goal. Like I think all of their goalies are up. Obviously, they're not getting rid of Carter Hart, but this year was a step back for him. I think he'll be fine, but th- this was a team that I thought could go to the Stanley Cup this year. And uh, did you see them in the playoffs? No? Hmm. That's a problem. So, I'm interested to see what Philadelphia does, but so far, bleh, not not fantastic. The Columbus Blue Jackets, we'll just pivot to them from the Atkinson trade. They're going full teardown. I like what they have done a lot. Uh, I think that they get a... S- a potential stud in, in Boquist. You you do a pick swap with the, the, the Blackhawks in that first round in the Seth Jones trade. You get an extra second round pick out of it. You move a second round pick to get Dean, uh, sorry, Bean, which I think could be an absolute steal. We were talking about this could be the guy who could be the Shea Theodore of this expansion draft for Seattle. They go a different way. So Carolina at least gets something back for him. But I, I think, like, you look at how the Blue Jackets have set themselves up now for the the the, the future, and I think they've done a very good job with this. They, they still have some things they can move to try to make this a championship team, or at least a playoff-caliber team. I, I like the job that they have done. Uh, I'm interested in Columbus and, and interested to see where they go now moving forward. Another one of the head-scratching moves of the weekend was the St. Louis Blues acquiring Pavel Buchnevich. That's not the head-scratching part. Um, I like that move again for them. It's the Rangers trading Buchnevich for Sammy Blay and a second. We'll start with the Blues. They needed another top six guy and they got it. I like this deal for them a lot. I talked about it before. I think Buchnevich is a very good player. And if you're looking at trading Vlad Tarasenko, this is a good kind of like poor man's Vlad Tarasenko, a guy who could score. Not to the level that Tarasenko can, of course. Um, I'm not comparing the two, but just it feels like he can kind of move over it in that slot. And then whatever you get back in a Tarasenko trade, you fill out the rest of your roster that way. Um, this is still a good roster, even though they've kind of just slowly got worse over the last few years um, since winning that Stanley Cup, which is like... It, it's tough to improve on a Stanley Cup winning team. Although teams have certainly done it. But I still look at this as a good roster. Like, I, I like how things stack up with this team. Um, uh, I like Thomas and Cairo on that third line. Barbashev and Sunkfist on the fourth line. Like, that—that that is the type of energy depth line that you like to have. The, the blue line still looks pretty solid with Krug, Falk... Pareko, uh, you have Bartuzo, you have Scandella in there. So I think this is still a good St. Louis Blues team. I don't know if this is an elite St. Louis Blues team, but this is a good team. And if you get a couple of pieces back in a Vlad Tarasenko deal, then you you start to look at this as a potentially strong squad. For the Rangers, this is what was feared, right? When they when when you fire a, a management group that seemed to be moving things in the right direction and then you fire them because the direction isn't tough enough. This is the type of shit that you worry about. And you you just you traded Buchnevich, who's a guy who can play in your top 6 for Blay, who you will probably firmly plant on your fourth line. Like you look at the, ringer, uh, the the wingers that they have, like is he starting over Lafreniere? No. Panarin? Uh no. Uh Kreider? No. Okay, so fourth line it is. And then a second round pick that that that's not the difference, but he can play hard. So Fantastic, Sammy Blay and Barkley Goodrow, to a certain extent. This is what we talked about last week. These are guys that you win with at a certain price. Once they get above the the price range of the things that they do well, now you're starting to ask them to to do things that are just out of their talent zone, right? And there are things that they may... Like, Sammy Blay can score. Barkley Goodrow can score. Now you're relying on them to because you're paying them X amount of dollars. And the the Blake contract um, isn't necessarily a bad one. I'm talking more money-wise for Goudreau and what it costs to bring in a Sammy Blake. So again, like two players who I think are fine and... Like, they, they will play third and fourth line roles, but they will not be paid as regular third and fourth liners, and that just takes away from dollars that you can spend in other areas. And again, a team that I, I look at in the Rangers that, I get, like, the, the top six talent on this Rangers team was good, and maybe you view Buchnevich as a luxury item, but now it just feels like you're trying to replace him. And, like... There were so many good things going on with this Rangers team and it was moving in the right direction and now that is just completely halted and the the tides have really slowed because we insist on dragging our knuckles behind this team. So it's, it's extremely frustrating watching this. I can't imagine watching it from a Ranger fan perspective. The Florida Panthers acquire Sam Reinhardt in a deal. We were waiting for this to become official on the the Twitch stream on Friday night. It doesn't happen until Saturday morning, but it is a pro, uh, a goaltending prospect and a first round pick going the other way for Buffalo, which is I mean, it's it's fine. Um, it, it's not a oh my god, look at Buffalo starting the rebuild here. But it, it's it is an okay pick, and now for Florida, like this is a top six player who you really like and. It's funny that Reinhardt ends up on the same team as Bennett, Um, and that Bennett contract we'll get to in a second with the Panthers, but I I look at this Florida Panther team, and they're able to break through finally, they give the Tampa Bay Lightning a run for their money in one of the more exciting playoff series that we had, but I do kind of look at this as a Panther team that has a ceiling, and when you are in the midst of Carolina, who could be going through some change, but I, I would suggest is still going to be quite good. And you look at Tampa Bay, they're probably going to take a step back, but still going to be pretty good. This is kind of a, an important year, I think, for Florida. And you would like to see just a bit more talent added to that roster to kind of raise the ceiling of this team a little bit. Because I, I don't think... Like I think the floor of this team is playoff contender, but I don't think the ceiling on this team is championship contender yet. Like they they, they kind of scream to me as a team who gets the playoffs, plays really really hard and maybe they catch someone slipping on a banana peel and get to the second round, but that's about it. Um and so I would like to see this team go out and add a couple more players like this. They do sign Sam Bennett. It is a four-year contract worth $4.4 million, and holy shit. Um, that That is not a contract I ever expected him to get with the Flames. It was always incredibly frustrating. We, we've gone over the Sam Bennett conversation a thousand times. Um, he is someone who, in the playoffs, has shown up and at times was the only player on the Flames who showed up, but you could not count on him in the regular season to do anything. And I know if you haven't gone through the Sam Bennett roller coaster, you're saying, okay, well, there are playoff guys and there are regular season guys. The problem is the Flames needed to get through the regular season to get to the playoffs, and they couldn't consistently do that. And that is incredibly frustrating when you have a guy who you see it like, hey, if you could just step up a little bit, we can get to those games where you really like to play and crash into shit. So... It was always frustrating, the inconsistency with Sam Bennett, and now, like, at least before, the contract wasn't massive, so it was, he's not killing you. Like, I do think when you look at this era of the Calgary Flames, if Sam Bennett had turned into what people thought Sam Bennett was going to turn into, then obviously this looks a whole lot different from a Flames perspective, and then you look at those two high draft picks, and you've drafted a number one and a number two center, instead of a number two center and a fourth line right winger. So, I, I do feel like it might be putting too much on Sam Bennett to say, hey, the, the struggles of the last half decade for the Flames are all his fault, but it certainly would have helped if he would have been the guy that everyone thought he was. But he wasn't, and at least he wasn't getting paid so much that it was a gigantic hindrance for you. Now, at 4.4, for Florida, you kind of need him to be that dude all the time. Like you, you, need, you need him to find consistency, and to have that consistency be at his peak level. Like, he now needs to have that talent redlined the whole way for this contract to work. I'm not saying it can't, I'm just saying I I don't know if that's a bet I'd be willing to make. And now from a Flames perspective, this looks even better, because now you get two assets for it, and you don't have to pay a guy who was inconsistent for you $4.4 million over four years. And for Florida, it's a guy who put up five points in five playoff games. I think it was 20 points in 15 games total with the Panthers. He was someone who brought value to their team. And maybe this is a resurgence for Sam Bennett, and it's just win-win-win all the way around. A couple of the intriguing names that have popped up, NHL free agency-wise, Dougie Hamilton. That is such an important contract, I think, for Carolina to sign. Because I do, I think Carolina is just, they are right there. And I don't think they can afford to be taking a step back. And losing Dougie Hamilton in the same offseason you traded Bean... It feels like that would be a step back. I'm sure they would try to fill that. Um, they have a bunch of salary cap space. They have a Svechnikov contract that they need to sign. Carolina, like it, just it feels like they are right there, and maybe they don't need to make a big addition. They they just maybe need Tampa Bay to come back to the pack a little bit. This feels like a big moment for the Carolina Hurricane franchise. And apparently Jaden Schwartz is looking at going to Seattle. I would love that from a Kraken perspective. This is a kid who um, I have a ton of respect for. I I grew up um, not... I mean, I don't know the kid at all. But I, I know people who know him and understood how hard everything was when his sister Mandy was going through everything that she was going through and to see him turn into anything at all has been awesome but to see him turn into a Stanley Cup champion and to see him turn into someone who um is like a difference maker on an NHL roster has been really great and so would love to see him in a a fun spot and I think Seattle would be getting a heck of a hockey player the other big thing that is going on in the sports world this week would be the NBA draft um again for the same reasons the NFL won that this year was so weird uh NBA wise a little bit less weird than it was in the the Canadian Hockey League but um I, I'm not going to do deep dive basketball prospect stuff here but the Raptors seem like they're in a spot where wherever they want to take this franchise next they can pretty well do it at this draft. If you want to go full-on rebuild on this thing and try to get pick 7 and 14 from Golden State and maybe get Wiseman in that as well and then just, like, start over, it feels like you can do that. Like, if you want to go full-on rebuild, it feels like you can do that pretty quickly based off of this draft. If you want to hope that, like, this last year was just kind of a anomaly and, hey, we're going to be back in Toronto, let's give this thing a go, and go out and get Jared Allen, and you you can draft a Kyle Lowry replacement in Suggs, hey, look at that, you can do that as well. Maybe you go out and make a Ben Simmons trade also. So it it feels like the Raptors have options right now, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't even know which door I want them to walk through, because I understand getting picks 7-14 and from Golden State means trading Siakam, and while if you get those picks... From the Golden State Warriors, then you're not necessarily selling low on Siakam because that would be probably appropriate value for him but I do feel like the last couple of years being so weird and everything just wearing on this franchise that a year of normalcy would do him very very well, but I also don't think he's the number one option on a championship team um, not that pick 7 or 14 or James Wiseman would be, but he he's going to be getting paid kind of first player on championship team money and if that's not something you want to go with, I I understand it. I, I like his rise was so much fun, and that this is total fanboying. I understand that, but like I have Jersey, I have so much respect for the dude uh, for what he was able to 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 do with himself as a basketball player. It would be tough to see that go, but from a franchise standpoint, it is probably time to to try to to rebuild with, with this thing. And if you can do it quickly at one relatively deep draft. I I say, why not? But if you want to hope that Jared Allen being a rim protector is all you needed for this team to take another step forward, I don't mind that. Um, If you go into the season next year with a starting five of Suggs, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam, and Allen, the East kind of sucks. Like, you're not beating Brooklyn with that, but... You're beating a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference with that, and then try to fill out the the depth that way, and hope that uh, Watsonabe can maybe take another step, or, or Gary Trent Jr. You you have him uh, in the mix as well, so he probably starts, and Suggs probably sits. Um, I'm I'm putting too much on the kid right away, but um, like you you have you have a team that will certainly I think compete for a playoff spot in the East if you can figure out that center position. Some of this getting cute with the fourth pick and maybe not taking Suggs, that I would not appreciate greatly. Um, But yeah, like it feels like there are... This is a a fork in the road moment for this Raptors franchise, and they can try to just do what Masai has done for forever and try to, to retool on the fly and just go with it, or do what Masai kind of wanted to do when he first got with the Raptors, and that is blow it to smithereens and start over. Either way, it feels like the Raptors are in a good spot to do whatever they want to do uh, here this offseason. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. They got some new stuff. Check it out now on Apple Music, YouTube, or Spotify, and check them out on Instagram at Wasted Talent. There are X's where the A's would be. A couple other notes here before we call it a Monday: The Toronto Blue Jays dropped two of three to the New York Mets after dropping their series to the Boston Red Sox. Um not great, obviously not great. But this has been such a weird couple of weeks for this team. I would imagine looking ahead to playing in Toronto is having a bit of an effect on them but also like that, this was a an interesting time to maybe prove like hey we, we actually belong here and maybe prove to Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro that this is a team that you should be going in all in on this season and now there you can certainly see where there would be some hesitation especially if you're going into the the rental market for like a Craig Kimbrell. Or something along those lines. And and I would understand the hesitation of doing that. I still look at this Blue Jays team and think this is a team that should be going for it. You look at, we we went through the schedule a, a little bit before. Like this is still a Blue Jays team that has faced a lot of upper echelon Teams like they they still have some lesser teams on the schedule later on in the season. I, th- I think they have one of the, the top ten or eleven easiest schedules by win percentage the rest of the way. You look at their run differential in the wild card race; they have the second best run differential by a bunch. They have the second best run differential in the American League East right now. This is a team that should be higher up, and I I think it, it's pro. It, it sounds like excuse making, but they're twenty two and twenty two at home, and I use home in quotation marks as a lot of those games in Florida were against the Tampa Bay Rays where they had a cheering section against them. And a few of those games in Buffalo were against the Yankees and were against the Red Sox where they had, again, cheering sections against them. To even just keep your head above water in that spot, they are four games out. And again, the run differential is plus 86. I still think this is a Blue Jays team that should go for it. They are four games out of a playoff spot right now. You look at the teams ahead of them, the Yankees, I still don't think that is a very good chance. Uh, Or, I I still don't think that it's a very good team. And I think there's a chance that this is a a team that goes into seller mode at the deadline. The Seattle Mariners have a run differential of negative 52. They are going to fall off. I just, I can't believe that they are not. So, the Blue Jays, I think, as currently constructed, are better than the Yankees. They are better than the Mariners. And then you have the Oakland Athletics ahead uh, of those two teams. The second wild card game right now would be the Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Oakland Athletics, which, I mean, ratings bonanza, to, to be sure. But, like, the, the A's admittedly are a pretty good team. But, I do not look at them as a better team than the Blue Jays. I just, I, I simply do not. So, while it looks a little bit more daunting than you would like, this is a team that I think is still absolutely set to To make a big run here in the second part of this season, and to at least get into the wild card. Nine and a half games is a lot to make up in the American League East, but this is still a team I think that can make a, a charge here into a wild card spot, and then kind of just let the chips fall where they may. This is a team that won the wild card game a few years ago and then made it to the American League Championship Series and just inexplicably stopped hitting against Cleveland. But going into that series. Like it, it kind of felt like a coin toss going into things against Cleveland that year. So, um, I, I still, if this Blue Jays team gets in, if they can make an addition to the pitching staff, uh, both starting and um, and to the relievers maybe an upgrade catcher too wouldn't hurt i I like joe siddle saying max scherzer and jan gomes that might be the, the cost on that might be a bit extreme but still this is a blue jays team that i think if they get into the playoffs are a problem for other teams in the american league and i think you just you have to go for it from a blue jays perspective other races in the american league we talked about it before like there's not There's not a lot here. The American League East, some of the drama gets taken away with Acuna's injury. You were kind of hoping Atlanta would be able to make a charge here in the second half, but the Mets for all the injury issues that they have had to be four games up, it it feels like they're about to run away and hide. San Francisco staying up in the uh, national league race is just so much fun and adds so much intrigue into this playoff race here. But it really does kind of feel like it's the three NLS teams and like Cincinnati's not making a run. I don't think the Cardinals have the pitching to, to make a run. So not the most dramatic of second halves in baseball. Like it kind of feels like the American League Wild Card and the American League East, I guess, um, are, are probably like the only races that people are really going to be watching, um, which is too bad. So let's just get to watch Cho Heo. And this is another one. Angels, they're talking about selling everything. You have Shohei Otani, you're five and a half games out. Just fucking go for it, please. I wanna see the Angels uh, competing. I just got so exaggerated, I accidentally hit my cap. Sorry, Babs. You okay? In the NFL, surprise, surprise, Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play this season. Shocking. God, we talk about LeBron James tweeting out things um, at strategic times so that he can get the attention Aaron Rodgers does the same thing with the the draft, and now it's been an entire offseason. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Oh, he's going to play in Green Bay, and they're going to figure it out after the season? Well, lovely. Like, what we heard a lot about, like, for a long time, it was, well, Aaron Rodgers was able to learn under Brett Favre. Apparently he's learned too much, because this is some real Brett Favre shit going on. But now, if you're looking at things in the, the NFC North, like, again, Green Bay, I think you have to view as the favorite to win that division And when you look at the NFC, they're going to be right in there again. And this is, this very much has kind of that last dance feel to it. I know that's been overdone in sports the last little bit since that documentary's come out, but this kind of feels like the last go around. And then after this, probably Aaron Rodgers is gone. Probably Devontae Adams is gone as well. So this kind of feels like it. And if you're a team in the NFC North, just waiting to, to kind of burst through feels like next year certainly can be your time. But again, this is just the, well, I want to be traded. Well, we don't have to trade you. Well, I want to be traded. Well, fuck you. All right, guess I'm fucked then. Like that that's just, that's kind of where it's at with Green Bay. Last one on the agenda today, the NCAA. Um, word comes out this weekend that Oklahoma and Texas might be leaving the Big 12 and wanting to make their way in the SEC. If this happens, I wonder, what's the point of the NCAA? Like, really? And I get. The main point is for them to make money. And then they are the top two greedy organizations in sports. Ah, top three. I I shouldn't leave FIFA out of that. Like, uh, FIFA deserves... FIFA deserves their look at this as well. Um, But for the NCAA, like to be overlooking everything and just have the SEC basically be all of college football with the exception of Clemson and maybe Notre Dame. Why? Like that 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 just this would it would be great for the SEC, but you would have the SEC which already for college football is basically like if you watch the the SEC National Game of the Week, used to be on CBS, I think it's going to ESPN, then you're basically watching the game of the week. And that's already not fantastic for college football. If you just add Texas and Oklahoma to it, more Oklahoma than Texas, um, although people with the Longhorns would probably have you believe it's otherwise, but if you add one of the great rivalries in college football to that conference, like it, it just, it kills so much around college football. And for the NCAA to just be sitting back and just like, oh, no, 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 we'll just let everything happen. Don't want to mix up things with the conference. For the last couple of years, It's really been apparent that the NCAA doesn't actually do a whole lot aside from just screw over the players who are playing in that league. You you had, every conference was basically running their own COVID um, protocols, which I understand like different regions had different rules and to put rules on places in the South where like the laws were a little bit different um, compared to say California or uh, up in the, the Northeast United States where I'm admittedly not a... Ton for college football, anyway. Um, but still, like to to have them be just completely hands off with one of the great issues of our time, and now to be hands off and just letting one conference just become a super conference. What what are you actually doing? Like at some point, actually step in here and regulate something that isn't just how much money the players can make. I, I just. The NCAA, from a real life standpoint, is so shitty, and now from a football standpoint, they're just completely allowing the decimation of college football happen right underneath their nose, and it's it's disappointing, um, and it just it feels like a chance to like potentially kill them, and they're just letting it happen. I don't, I don't fully understand. I thought they liked money more than this. That's going to do it for the show today. Thank you very much again for downloading and listening. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Twitch Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. This Wednesday is NHL Free Agency Day. That's normally when the next podcast would be coming out. But it would be, it would be dated by the time you heard it. So probably what we're going to do is go over on Twitch and just hang out for the day. Again, have some drinks, play some video games have some fun on there react to the news as it's coming in i'm probably not going to break any news but just there's a chat up there you guys can all chat away i'll be answering questions like i said having some drinks just having a grand old time so that'll be on twitch.tv slash primetime pk email the show couchpotato.diary@yahoo.com. diary at yahoo.com the music that you hear on the show is provided by waste of talent find them on instagram at waste of talent with X's where the a's would be and you can find their producer on instagram At Tommy Fresh Music. If you haven't heard enough from me this Thursday, I'll be on the call as the Okotoks dogs face the Okotoks dogs. They're split into two uh, dogs red against dogs black. Um, So check that one out. Enjoyed the games this weekend, especially the one yesterday. Um, It's been a whole lot of fun doing dogs game. I get uncontrollably excited pulling up to Seaman Stadium. So. Um, Hopefully you'll check us out at uh, dogsbaseball.ca and the Okotoks Dogs Academy YouTube page. And if that's not enough, my general history show with myself and my wife, We Had No Idea, comes out every Wednesday. This week, we talked about Watergate, I nerded out on that one entirely. So if you want to hear me in a different context, General History Podcast, We Had No Idea, comes out every Wednesday morning. That show is on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. We'll see you guys on Wednesday on Twitch and talk to you guys on Friday right here. I'm out.